Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we examined the testimonies of two equestrian colleagues and a student of Michael Barrison, as well as the questioning of the first behavioral health professional to perform a psychological examination of the defendant after the Canarac shooting. On today's installment, we examine the testimony of another of the defendant's students in dressage training. That's all coming up right after the break. Deinenger-Rises-For-The-Defense-And-Requests-That-Mary-DeFranco-Take-The-Stand-Mr.Franco-Has-Sandy-Blonde-Hair-And-Wears-A-Black-Sweater-Over-A-White-Collared-Shir
Was her interest at all uh, inspired by what happened at the Rio Olympics that year? Of course. And so did your daughter come to start working with Michael? Yes, she did. And did you also over the years work with Michael? Yes, I came frequently for to both to visit my daughter and then most recently take lessons as well. And so the fact that you took lessons with Michael, is that the only capacity in which you knew him when you were actually in the arena taking lessons or did you come to know him in other contexts? I consider Michael a friend. And how long have you considered Michael to be your friend? Since I've met him. Now... Did your daughter become employed at Michael's Barn? She did. When she came to Michael's in 2016, she was a client. And she was a client through that 2016-2017 season in Florida. And it was in the spring of 2017 that she became a working student for Michael. And as a working student, did she live at the farm? She did. Was she living at the farm in the summer of 2019? Yes. And did she board her horse there? Yes. Did she have more than one horse there? Yes, she did. How many? She had two. And did there come a time in 2019 when you made a new acquisition with respect to your hobby? I did. I bought a new horse, a young one, in, the, in June of uh, 2019. And was that horse brought by you or on your behalf to Michael's farm? Yes, I had my horse shipped to Michael's farm in the middle of July, July 15th, 16th, something like that of 2019. And why did you have your horse shipped there? For training. Okay, so is training of the horse separate from training of the rider? Sometimes. Um, he, my horse was four, so he was a baby. And uh, I'm an amateur older lady adult, and I uh, shipped him there to start his training and uh, so that he would become more competent and safe for me. Based on, on your understanding of how farm operated at that time in June of 2019, uh, was there a person who was specifically assigned to train young horses? Not to my knowledge. Did you know an individual there named Mike McGrain? Yes. And what was his role at the farm, if you know? Oh, yes. So Mike actually rode very young horses. So horses that were not accustomed to even having a saddle on them yet. They were very untrained. So my horse was a little further along than that. So the horse that you purchased as a four-year-old wasn't going to be trained by Mr. McGrain? No. Who was training your horse at that time? My daughter. My daughter. Your daughter was, okay. And when it came to your training, in the summer of 2019, did you have a regular schedule as when you'd come to New Jersey? Yes. The plan was for me to be in New Jersey two weeks out of every month. I would come during those two weeks, ride and train on my horse, and then go back to Illinois for two weeks and while I was gone um, the horse would be in training. And who was training you and your horse at Michael's farm that summer? I took a couple lessons from Michael. I took a couple lessons from Justin. Did you have any impression of the quality of training you were receiving from Justin for example? It was excellent. No complaints? None. Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you. 
After having Mary DeFranco establish that she was very satisfied with the training that she received both from Michael Barrison and from his assistant trainer Justin Harden, Chris Dininger pivots to guiding the witness to describe the emotional atmosphere at the Barrison property in the summer of 2019. Did there come a time in July of 2019 when you made one of those two-week visits? Yes. And do you recall the precise date you arrived and when you were supposed to leave? Precisely arrival? No. Um, I would have arrived somewhere around the 15th or the 16th, and I was scheduled to leave, though, on the 31st. Okay, so you came to the farm in July mm -hmm. at or about that time period. Mm -hmm. And is there anything in particular you observed at the farm at that time? It was not as happy a place as it used to be. Okay, and can you be a little more descriptive as to what indicated to you that it wasn't as happy of a place as it used to be? It, it, there was a lot of tension in the air. It was very stressful. Michael's demeanor was not as engaging. He was, he was elsewhere in his mind. There were other boarders who were definitely, you know, also tense and lots of conversation around the just the feeling in, in the barn that it just wasn't right. Did you make any observations about your daughter at that time when you came to the farm and noticed that things weren't right? She was equally tense, if not more. I actually was very concerned about her when I arrived. What concerns did you have about your daughter, specifically with respect to what was going on at the farm at that time? I think um, when I arrived, if I remember correctly, she was very concerned about the horses, about the safety of the horses. She was concerned that the schedule was getting very disruptive in the barn because of just the, the cadence of things in the barn. You know, my daughter worked there. So in the morning there's feeding and then there's watering and then there's turnout. But because of all the all the tension and the chaos that was going on at the time, that had all been upended. And so she was quite stressed out about all that. Well, you had your new four-year-old there, yes. correct? Did yes, you have any concerns with respect to your new horse? At first, I was, I thought, no, everything's fine. And then within a few days, I could tell that uh, things weren't going well. Again, the tension in the barn was too high. I started having concerns about safety myself, both for myself and my daughter, as well as the horses. When you say you had concerns about safety, mm -hmm. what specifically were your concerns? Well, the tension that was going on was because uh, there was a client there um, that was being problematic and um, menacing and harassing to Michael, Mary Haskins, and, and I believe even Justin. And it got to the point that that was bleeding over into the culture of the barn as well as into the, the process of taking care of the horses. So I was worried that, you know, something was going to happen to them in the middle of the night or, you know, when, I, when, when we weren't there. So it was just not a pleasant place to be. As a result of what you observed, what your concerns were and what you were experiencing, did you start making any plans with respect to where to board your horse and your daughter's horses? Oh, absolutely. So as the days continued during my visit, my daughter and I discussed that, you know, we needed to move the horses. We needed to get out of that environment. It was too menacing and harassing. I wasn't happy and I was just as disturbed, I think, as everyone else 
about what was happening there. Luckily, the barn is located in an area where you can drive, you know, 15 minutes in any direction and there's there's lots of horse barns. So we were looking for, you know, safe and clean and just, just to get out of what I was perceiving to be a um, not so safe environment. As a result of your presence at the facility, were you familiar with the locker area of the barn? Yes, of course. Dininger next shows Mary DeFranco a photograph of the locker area of the Barrison farm. I'm going to show you what was marked for identification as 800-42. You have before you a photograph. Does this, well, what is it a photograph of? So this is the locker area. As you step, the white door represents the door that would lead into the club room. So if you were walking out of the club room and stepping down those few steps, you'd be in the, in the locker area where boarders would have their personal items. Uh, based upon your personal observations at the at the farm, does this picture accurately depict the layout of the lockers and the walls at the time? Yes. You were physically in this space, yes. correct? Uh -huh. On a number of occasions? Yes. On a regular basis? Yes. Okay. Was there a bench there? Here in this in this area? No. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know if your answer was correct. No, I'm sorry. No, there was no bench. There's no so bench. you're looking at a photograph where the lockers are, and you're saying that there's no bench in that area when you were Count, there? Counsel, we don't, you don't need to repeat the answer. Okay. Every question, all right? The, the jury hears it, I'm, I'm certain. So just ask your follow-up question, please. I will. Did you have, and I don't want you to talk about the words that were spoken, okay? But did you have private conversations with Michael Barrison or other people at the farm about the tensions that you were observing? Yes. And... Did you have those private conversations in a particular location? Multiple locations. Uh, did you ever have conversations like that in the office? Yes. Did you ever have conversations like that in the club room? Yes. Did there come a time when you developed a concern that someone was listening to those private conversations that wasn't present, participating in them? Yes. And when did you develop that concern with respect to what was happening at the farm? When my own words verbatim were repeated by someone who would not have been there and um, posted in social media. Do you recall, without saying what the words were, do you recall where you were physically when you spoke those words? Michael's office. Okay. And who was present when you spoke those words? Mary Haskins. Anyone else? No. How far is the office from the locker area, if you recall? It has to be 100 feet. Did you say that you... Your words were posted on social media? Yes. Who posted them? Lauren Canrack. You were there from the period of July 31st through the time the incident occurred, correct? Yes. And in fact, you were there the day of the incident? Yes. And you were interviewed by the police and, and other people after the incident? Yes. Okay. Were you present when police were called to the farm before the incident? Yes. Did you observe Michael Barrison in the days leading up to the incident? Yes. At that point in time, how many years had you known him? Three. Did you see any changes in Michael's behavior in the days leading up to the incident? Yes. What did you see? He was falling apart, became completely distraught, just completely distraught, not himself, worried, very just I would describe it as terrified of living in his own home. I mean, he was terrified. Did you develop uh, any concerns for yourself when you saw Michael in this condition? Yes. Did that add to the concerns you had for your safety, the safety of your daughter, and the safety of your animals? Yes. And which persons were the source 
of your concern. Lauren Kanarak and Robert Goodwin. Did you have a chance to observe whether or not Michael Barrison interacted with Lauren Kanarak or Robert Goodwin alone in those days leading up to the incident? He never wanted to be alone with them. In fact, it was he went out of his way to not be alone with them. He was terrified of them. We, were, I was terrified of them. And so, because of all of the postings that were going on on social media, the the this is non-responsive. It it is somewhat. Just ask another question, please. All right, we'll Sorry. move on to the next. That's okay, Mr. Franco. Where were you uh, on the day of the incident? I was at the farm. Had you spent the night there? Yes. Well, no, no. We were at the um, bed and breakfast down the street because my daughter's room was deemed unlivable, I guess, by the um, fire marshal or whomever, the, the building department. So her, your daughter's living arrangement was impacted by what the town did with respect to the buildings? Oh, yes. She had to leave. Oh. And did you come back to the farm that day? Yes. Did you have uh, an instance to be sitting in the arena? Yes. And was that the indoor arena or the outdoor arena? Indoor arena. Okay. Where were you sitting? I was sitting in Michael's chair. So the door that walks out from the club room into the indoor arena, there are a bunch of director's chairs. If you were going to the immediate left of that door, the first chair, I, that's the one I was sitting in, and that's the one Michael typically sat in. And who were you sitting with, if anyone? Uh, nobody. I was watching my daughter. Um, she had finished up riding her horse and she had already left and I was just sitting there. Did you encounter Michael while you were sitting in the arena in his chair? Yes. Did you make any observations of Michael at the time you encountered him while you were sitting in the arena on the morning of the incident in his chair? Yes. He walked out. What were your observations? I'm sorry. Okay. A question is better than we get a question and an answer. You know? Sure. Okay. Um, he was totally absent, catatonic. He didn't even know I was sitting there. Did you try to speak with him? Yes. And did he acknowledge you? No. With respect to what you observed that was happening at the farm, did you develop any understanding as to whether there was some systematic steps against Mike? Objection. After a brief sidebar to discuss the prosecutor's objection, Chris Deininger rephrases the question and poses it in a less leading fashion. Referring to your observations of Michael that day, did he appear normal to you? No. Did he appear healthy to you? No. Did you have any concerns about his safety as a result of your observations of him that day? Absolutely. He looked suicidal. I don't have any further questions at this time. Judge Taylor offers the prosecution the opportunity to question the witness. All right. Cross-examination, Mr. Shellhorn. Mr. Franco, how many horses did you have at the property in the summer of 2019? I had one, my daughter had two. You said that your daughter is still competing? Yes. What is her level that she competes at? She competes at uh, Intermediate One. Is that as an amateur or professional or professional. something else? Professional. So your daughter is a professional uh, equestrian? My daughter uh, switched her status from amateur to professional when she started working for Michael, because those are the rules. And so even though she does not currently, she's not currently employed, in the equestrian community, she maintains her professional status because that's the level she rides at. So she rides at a high level? Yes, she does. Now you indicated that on August 7th, 2019, you were at the farm or at the barn with your daughter? Yes. And you and your daughter were in the process that day of making arrangements to leave the farm, correct? Yes. 
you indicated that you were looking for another farm to take your three horses to. Yes. And you said that you had a lot of concerns in those weeks leading up to August 7th. Yes. Uh, but you hadn't actually made the arrangements and actually taken the horses off the property at that point yet, had you? No, we had an appointment. And that would require you going to meet with various different farms or, or barns? Yes. And you would have to, I think you had said you were looking for another barn to go to that was safe and clean. Yes. So you wanted to make sure that you were vetting out the place where you were going to take your horses, that it would be appropriate for them. Yes. As well as for your daughter, based on her aspirations as a rider. At that point, it had nothing to do with riding or training. We wanted to get the horses off, so we weren't looking for a trainer per se. We were looking for a place for the horses to be housed. But even in spite of that, it, it did take effort to try to find a place that would be appropriate for your horses. There are several places in the area. Were you aware uh, of any of the specific health conditions related to Ms. Canrack or Mr. Goodwin's horses? I, if, if you, I'm sorry, yeah, just if you're aware personally or had any awareness of that. No. Um, you didn't ever hear Ms. Canrack ever make any physical threats? To whom? Well, you, you indicated Myself earlier, or to somebody else? You would, that's a fair question. You indicated earlier you were interviewed on the day of August 7th, 2019? Yes. You were interviewed by Two detectives, Detective Bost and Detective Munozfelder? Yes. And that was at the barn? Yes. And they asked you during the course of that interview whether you had heard any physical threats made to Michael Barrison, and you said no. No. And you don't have any personal knowledge of what happened by the farmhouse on August 7th, 2019? I wasn't there at the, on the patio. And you didn't see what happened? I wasn't on the patio, no. <laughs> I wasn't trying to trick you. Uh, no further questions, Your Honor. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we examine the testimony of another equestrian enthusiast who also offered the defendant legal services in his dispute with the alleged victims in this case. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.